0: Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. For the month of December, we teamed up with Leatherman to bring you some awesome content and uh, also a pretty wicked contest. We got two of their tools that we gave away this month and they are supporting Panoramic Outdoors for the month of December. So thank you Leatherman. If you haven't checked out the Leatherman lineup lately, they have everything you need from anything fishing, hunting, and some larger tools. If you need something for uh, some heavy duty or work, they even have a pair of Vice grips as a multi tool. So check them out. Thank you, Leatherman Canada. Head over to leatherman.com and get your tool today.
1: And we're back. You're back. Episode 105 of the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast. Welcome. Today we're sitting down with Jennings Hester from Fishing the Good Fight. And uh, really excited, Jazz, might say, to be talking to Jennings and uh, some of the work he's doing around supporting men in their mental health through fishing. And I'm I'm guessing this might be a popular episode for us, so fingers crossed. Um, but huge thank you to to coming out on the podcast. But uh before we get too deep into that, as we always do, we should maybe do a little round table here sitting
0: across the virtual reality from Chase. Chase wanna say hi. Howdy folks. What's happening today, Tristan?
1: Oh, not too much. We're just doing a little teaching in the city, stopped by the Bellas. It was crazy. And uh and What's then, the bellas? Yeah. Oh. Cabellas.
0: Cabellas. Yeah. Gotcha. You're
2: not hip enough to know
0: what bellas is. Yeah,
1: you don't know. It's, it's, it's okay.
2: I thought it was Get a breakfast t- place, but
1: <laughs> I just made it up in fairness. So and I wasn't proud to be there, but uh I was there. So uh the other voice you're hearing, in case you're not a familiar, is uh Sheldon and Sheldon's tuning.
2: You and Brandon, Sheldon? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm in Brandon here, uh just having a nice uh, cold eggnog, with some spice rum in it. So I'm I'm uh, getting into the festive season, and um, yeah, ready to do some podcasting. Nice,
1: nice. It feels good to be back with you guys. I uh, I missed there, and uh, want to commend you guys on the the Whitetail Roundup. It was uh, sorry I couldn't be a part of it, but it was it was fun to listen to and some of the camar- camaraderie that I missed out on.
2: Yeah, we've been uh, missing out on. It seems to be one guy or the other can't make it to certain uh, events or podcasts, etc. So it's good to be back on with both you guys. I got a good story for you right now, Tristan, though. Um, tomorrow, we're going to go make some sausage and some hamburger. So I had to get some pork fat. And of course, my fashion is to leave everything to last minute. So this morning, I'm not going to tell you where it was or what store it was. But I phoned this place and was like, hey, do you guys have any pork fat for sale? And the lady was like, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I got x y and z for pork fat and i'm like okay well i need like half of that is there any way i can get like get half of that like a a 50 like i wanted 20 pounds let's say and she's like yeah i'll put your name on something come on down and i'm like okay i'll be there after work so i go there after work and there was this gentleman who clearly didn't own the place but he was came up from the back and he's like oh what do you need i'm like oh there's supposed to be some pork fat here for for sheldon and he's like so he goes back comes back he's like nope there's nothing here I'm like, well, man. I'm like, I'm making sausage tomorrow. I need it. There's a lot of guys like counting on me. He's like, okay, well, he's like, how much do you need? I'm like, 20 pounds. And he's like, okay, I'll be right back. He comes back with like this grocery bag full of pork fat, and he's like, oh, there's 18 pounds here. I'm like, okay. I'm like, how much? Oh yeah. He's like, ah. And he's seen that at five bucks. He's like, you paying cash? I'm like, yeah, five bucks. He just takes, puts it in his pocket, and I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> and I just started laughing, and he laughed, and I just walked out of the store or walked out of the wherever it was, but. It was pretty funny. I had a good chuckle.
1: So you just walked out with a grocery bag full of
2: pork. Yep, full pork fat. So make sure I'll have to inspect it tomorrow and yeah. uh, make sure it's all clean and put her through the grinder.
1: Yeah. Did you open it up? Did you confirm what was actually in the bag?
2: Yeah. I've got lots no, of questions. I, no, here. I didn't. I should have maybe. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder what's crawling around <laughs> in my fridge right now.
1: <laughs> you got to keep that stuff extra cold too, eh?
2: Yeah, my plan is, like, we're not doing it till like, 11 in the morning. So, I'm going to, when I get up in the morning, throw it outside and let it freeze up a bit. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Hopefully, it'll grind grind pretty good.
1: Got to get a good bind. Yep. Yeah.
0: We're back in the the deep freeze in old Manitoba, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It is cold, man. It is so cold. We're getting down again. I think tonight's almost, it's going to be close to the minus 30s, but not quite. So, which is good. Because it was super warm last week, I don't think lots of ice was getting made, but uh, this week, I think we're going to start seeing some trucks driving on the ice, and I think the ice fishing is going to start heating up here real soon. I heard uh, this is a pretty good bite out on Lake Winnipeg right now, and on the river, it's been super hot, it looks like. so. um, Are you guys getting out and doing any ice fishing, or what's what's the plan here over Christmas?
1: Don't ask me that question.
2: (laughs) I'll tell you, I'm, I'm heading up north. I've got a few things to do personally and a few things to do professionally up there. So I'm uh, heading up there on next week, sometime maybe Wednesday, Thursday and spend some time with some family up there during Christmas. And then I'm going to go to work for four or five days. But um, I've talked to Corey from all-terrain bear hunts there and we're planning on doing some, a little bit of ice fishing at night. So I'm going to, I think we're going to hit up mid lake to try for some trout and then we're going to go kind of by one of his camps and just go for some walleye and jackfish. So, Pretty excited to do that. Got a new ice shack from uh, Harvester, which I'm super excited to try out. So, um, I always love doing business locally. So, I didn't go to Bella's, but I went to Harvester and picked up an ice <laughs> shack. So,
0: boom, shots fired. That's
1: going to catch on. Just wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got, got bella
2: I didn't go to Bella's. I went to what, what would you call Harvester? Stir. I went to
1: stir.
0: Stir out there. Went to
1: the stir. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I haven't. I I haven't got a chance to check those shacks out yet, but I'm super excited to see what the uh, what the setup looks like. Big I upgrade. I, yeah, yeah. We were just rocking those little that little single Eskimo there, and uh, actually, we were talking with McFads at the the Christmas gathering there, and he was just laughing that the there hasn't been a branding update with that company <laughs> to yeah. this point yet. No um, kidding. Eh? But uh, yeah, we were. Uh, we were sitting in. we've been sitting in that thing for a while. And not only is it a little see-through in some areas, but it's also starting to smell like the pit barrel. Cause that's what we cooked our Turkey in last year or two years ago. And, uh, the old pit barrel smell hasn't gone away. So
2: excited for the upgrade.
0: Yeah. We're <laughs> going to be living the good life now, man. It's going to be a big change, big upgrade. Looking forward. To would it. you rather
2: fish out of a permanent or a pop-up?
0: Wherever the fish are biting. you guys,
2: where, yeah, well, some of those guys like you, like Tyler, like our friend there. He's got a uh, permanent that's pretty. You can move it pretty quick and easy. So, I guess you need the machinery for it too. Yeah, <laughs> I was
1: gonna say quick and easy if you have tracks, that can can haul that thing. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a lot
0: invested in that setup, but it uh, it is nice. That's for sure, especially on windy days when you don't want to take down and put a pop up back up. You know, and you're you're battling the wind. That thing you just yeah. give the give the uh, runners a couple slams with a sludge hammer and hook her up to the track truck and away you go to a new spot. It's it's almost quicker than setting up a pop up in some yeah. respects. I think Tyler's
1: source of pride is when he goes out to take a leak in his T shirt and crocs and he looks at all the guys in the in the pop ups and they're hunkered down and he's uh he's out there sporting a T shirt. Yeah almost saying it's too hot
0: in the shack today boys <laughs> well he's got a, a wood stove in there and I think it's big enough to heat like 2,000 square feet so there's no shortage of heat in that baby
2: no I love fishing out of that thing it's super comfortable for sure
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty dangerous to get you get pretty comfy in there and I feel like you lose some of your edge by going to that place because he's got the he brings a big screen tv out he's he's got the pan optic so I, I have a hard time you know, even saying that we're fishing, you know, we're we're putting in the workout today. Meanwhile, you're watching some stand-up comedy routine, and and you don't even bother to look at your jig until there's a fish on the screen, pretty much.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you know, we spent that one. Well, Tristan, I know you spent quite a bit of time out in the lake, but the one I think once I went with Chase last year, and we went and hung out in that shack. And the the couple good things about it is like, you, as soon as you get there, you can start fishing. Like as soon as you draw the holes, there's no setup. He's got everything ready to rock, kind of thing, right? And uh, yeah, you can fish right till like you have to be back in twenty minutes. Well, you can fish for until the last minute. Like there's no set down really, other than mm-hmm. pack up the TV and and get the valuables out of there. So that's super nice about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's an awesome place, and it's he definitely built it correctly. You know, it's it's built to to, to host people, and and the the where the holes are is set up nice and. And uh, also, you, you toss a pan on first thing in the morning when you get there, and you're pretty much just cooking all day, rotating food on and off of the off of the frying pan. So it's uh, it's comforting, that's for sure. The highlight is like stoking up the wood stove. You almost gotta get in a scrap for who's gonna toss the not- next log on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's it pretty comfy for sure. Uh, so I've been catching up to you on the on the podcast here since. I haven't been in on a couple episodes and uh, I've got to say that listening to you to ask Josh McFad's the five burning questions has got to be the highlight of some of my panoramic experience. Just listening to Josh try to get through five burning questions is is the some of the most fun you'll ever have on a podcast, I think.
2: Oh, yeah. The guy's got a, a long-winded answer for everything, it almost seems.
1: I've never seen someone so stressed at like what... Uh, what would he spend a hundred thousand dollars on? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good.
1: Yeah. But yeah, always fun to listen to Josh too, though. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's, he's always got kind of a, uh, take on things too, which is a, something to appreciate eh?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Some similar conversations with him too, that that we've had almost here with Jennings and, and the same, same kind of, uh, the same realm for sure. And, and lots of the stuff that we talk about Josh with about is, is almost relates to mental health and, and falls under the same blanket almost, you know what I mean? As term, Like when it comes to like success and doing stuff and, and building up a brand or business and, and the highs and the lows and, and all that kind of stuff weighs on a guy, right? So kind of interesting. A little bit of overlap. Yep. Yep. And we've certainly had like some deeper conversations with Josh um very close to the same conversations we are having with Jennings today. So kinda cool. Do you have heat in your house, Chase? I do, but you know what you know what it is? Um oh. we run the <laughs> no, wood we run the wood you know? wood stove all day. <laughs> I thought you were gonna answer there for a second, sorry. Uh <laughs> we run the wood stove all day or the fireplace, and then I'm in the basement, so it gets super hot upstairs, and then uh we we still run the furnace fan, but it just doesn't push the heat around as much. As, well, uh, I was just wondering want. why you're wearing a wool jacket. Oh, because it's sweet. I was cold when I came downstairs, and it's I didn't like want to run back it up. Look like a
2: Walmart greeter.
0: I'm actually pretty warm right now. You know what? I got a funny story about this jacket. This was like the one of the first oh, fires I ever went on when yeah. I was in the helicopter pilot. I spent like a month and a half at this at this uh, resort, and ended up getting this jacket for free. And it's still kicking. This thing's like 15 years old five-finger discount maybe like 12 <laughs> years old no they gave it to me it's awesome <laughs>
1: Chase just... <laughs> didn't realize where the till was in that building <laughs> yeah
0: this guy just handed this to me i always get lucky when i when i go go north with so jack <laughs> ah. another story okay i'm i'm uh just wrapping up a fire season and i'm doing my first tour in like northern manitoba so like pretty much right at the edge of the tree line kind of thing and uh the boss gives me the you better get some good rain gear kind of spiel because if anyone knows fall in the north country northern manitoba gets pretty nasty it rains a lot just gets crazy weather um so i was up in flint and i go to the store and and uh i was picking out some real nice stuff i got this nice Helly hansen jacket on and it was super expensive it was like 260 dollars, something like that but you know what it fit me well and Waterproof And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to get it. This thing will probably last me years. And uh, so I paid for it. And uh, I paid for it on my credit card. I didn't even look at, like, what he charged me. Walk out the door. I go on this tour for, like, three weeks or whatever it was. And I come back, and I'm looking at the receipts of my wallet. And he forgot to punch in the first number, like the 200 And he just charged me $65 for the jacket. So oh.
2: Wow, so you went back and gave them the other 200 bucks?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, with interest.
2: <laughs> I'm totally lucky. I didn't pay them $200 for at least three weeks.
0: <laughs> I feel bad about it, but... Yeah, that store's no longer in Flint, Flint. <laughs> I don't think it is, actually. <laughs> I wonder why.
2: Huh. People are just scabbing them on, I, on rain suits.
0: It wasn't my mistake, man. I didn't even realize till like, three weeks later, so...
1: Ellen, I also got to congratulate you listening to the... the White Tail Roundup on officially entering a couple Lockport class stories into the, oh, into the yeah. conversation. So,
2: There's A couple longer ones there for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, No, it's good to see that you're finally catching on to when how. You got,
2: when you got to do podcasts with Chase all the time, he kind of rubs off on you, I guess. <laughs> 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 That'll
0: happen.
1: Chase, did you talk about that thing you wanted to talk about, your top secret conversation piece here?
0: My top secret conversation piece. I can't believe. Oh you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. No, I didn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> so on the Whitetail Roundup podcast, Sheldon okay. and I did. Uh, I think it was that podcast. We did uh, what's on the what's on the tap. Oh no, did we Burn do table. this one with you? I think we did table and the grill. Yeah, I wasn't there. Let's yeah. do it with you. Oh, that's you your it. big idea? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a b- huge idea. <laughs> it's the
0: thing that we always do is monumental. It's your big
1: so you're asked you want to ask me yeah. what's on the tap what's on the turntable and what's on the grill yeah um okay what's on the tap right now i am partaking in a lot 40 rye whiskey and it's nice and smooth and spicy at the same time so if you're looking to warm up in the fall i uh might try that one out if i were you and that's a that's a free ad read for lot 40 there
2: Hey, Tristan, quick question. What is the deal with, like, you guys do, like, whiskey drinking nights? Like, taste testing nights or something, or what?
1: Uh, yeah, well, was, we did a bachelor party the uh, the other week, and every guy just bought a bottle of their uh, of whiskey to sample, and they had to write a few notes on it, and then you just...
2: That must you, be pretty fun.
1: Yeah, it's fun and dangerous, right? Because <laughs> no, no one's regulating how much... Uh, how much uh, booze goes into those cups? So by the time the, the the fourth or fifth pour comes around, there's some pretty rich pours happening. And, uh, <laughs> and was,
2: was think, there one that? What do you? Was got there like? one that stood out?
1: uh yeah. The, uh, my one buddy had one called Oh Legion, I believe it was. Uh, it was a bourbon that was really nice. Um, another guy bought the Canadian Club Single Barrel, and that thing had some horsepower. But like, if you if you like that kind of whiskey that's got some kick, it was it was a very fine whiskey for that. Let's just put it that way. Yeah.
0: Man, I remember... What, you, think,
1: you, you
2: think about doing one, Sheldon? Well, no, I can't do one with my friends. We'd all end up fighting each other.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. What do you remember, Chase? That uh, my cousin bought me a bottle of that Booker's bourbon. just like talking about firepower. And I was like, oh, I yeah. could hardly even drink that stuff. Is so potent
1: yeah that's the kind that you could like defrost your windows with after you
0: take a sip kind of just like yeah give it a little <sighs> definitely that's a scary setup because like how many guys do you have there like it looks like there's about a dozen guys there and if everyone brings a bottle and yeah but not not everyone shot. was
1: drinking whiskey so we we had maybe about eight to ten guys but still after eight to ten stiff ones you you start to question of your life in certain ways
0: yeah no kidding. So. Yeah. So let's move on to the next question here. What's on the grill? Oh, yeah. God, Josh
1: is so right. This is so hard. Um Jalapeno poppers on the grill. <laughs> I heard that was a huge Dude, Oh, my goodness. I've never felt so much shame in my life. So we had a bunch of people down, and we're cooking for them, and we're always talking about how great the pit barrel is.
0: Yeah.
1: How dummy proof it is. And then uh I was a little deep into, and um let's just say that, the poppers were looking just about perfect but needed just that extra little crisp on them because i don't like soggy bacon so i opened up the governor and went inside to do a couple <laughs> things and came back inside or outside and man they were they were dark yeah They're i, I think
0: i think the uh the bacon fat must have rendered out and ignited a little bit of flame in there and took her took her to the next level and i was super disappointed because um thank you cuz i was <laughs> I was <laughs> i i had a, a a bit of hand in, in making these but oh well, you pretty much made them but um you make up this cheese mixture that you toss in there that is like next level that goes into the poppers and, and it's it's like it's pretty spectacular it's not just like a bit of cream cheese what's what's in the the secret mixture there
1: well just like josh too i uh, i can't uh Maybe we're just on a podcast with jo- the ghost of Josh McFadden right now, but I I tend to uh, orchestrate that one with the heart a little too, and I just kind of try to diversify the cheese a little. So I'll add some cheddar. Uh, we threw some mozzarella in there for kicks and uh, a little parm as well. And then if I have some fresh herbs on hand, I'll just chop them up and throw them in there. I've done roasted garlic in there before too. I don't know, whatever you feel like really. Can't really go wrong.
0: Yeah, it definitely takes texted, it to the next level.
2: I texted April after that event, and I was like, "How was how was everything?" There's something like that and she's like, "Oh, it's fun. Jalapeno poppers were great." There's something like that, like yeah. just oh. a total shot at Tristan.
1: She's got, she's got that dry, piercing sense of humor, and it it it'll cut you to the bone. Let me tell you,
0: <laughs> she yeah. I think she's the only one that tried one.
1: She tried four of them. I told her, <laughs> I t- I was like.
0: <laughs> Do not eat
1: these, and she's like, "I gotta see them." I was like, "I'm not bringing these in the shop. Like, there's no reason for these to be around." Any-. And she insisted. So, in my defense, I I ruined the poppers. She still elected to eat them, so I'm <laughs> uh, I'm not taking credit for that. Yeah. And then, what's on the turntable?
0: Oh, I gotta look that up here. I've been
1: well. We got some Christmas jams going on, and apparently, I was getting criticized for my choice in music there.
0: You got to save the Christmas jams for the Christmas episode.
1: Okay, I won't. Uh, I won't include any of my Christmas selection. But uh, I've been listening. To, well, we saw Adele live in November, so that was that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so been back on Adele kick again. Adele, Adele, yeah, maybe it's Adele. Eh? Uh, also listen to this Dave Stamey, and he's got just like this real, like almost like Montana, like yodel to him so yeah like twangy
2: want... twangy or yodely
1: like both yeah like it's like it's like western music in the mountains with a little yodel if that right. makes sense right, right he's fun to listen to i check him out nice he's he's like dwight Yoakum with looser jeans i would say
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's
1: okay did going. i pass
0: yeah you passed great work oh, man nailed yeah. it Okay,
1: so are, are we going to talk about Jennings here, or what do let's, you guys want to do? Let's do
0: it, yeah. Fire it up.
1: Yeah. So, like I said earlier, Jennings Hester, with Fishing the Good Fight, doing a lot of great work connecting men and uh, mental health resources, and he found a way to throw fishing in there, specifically fly fishing, Jason and I sat down with him and kind of got into the nuts and bolts of the whole operation. Not just that, but, uh, you know, we kind of talked a little fishing, a little shop, and a little bit about, you know, what it means to to introduce mental health or kind of rediscover mental health through an outdoor lens. So... I thought it was a really valuable conversation, a timely one, especially one where uh, you know we're all probably reconsidering what mental health looks like. And uh, I know we've talked on this podcast about just how heavily we've leaned on the outdoors through this pandemic to get kind of through shit. So, um, really appreciated Jennings coming on the on the podcast and being as open as he was.
0: Alright guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for long, you know that iHunter has been a supporter of this podcast and us here at Panoramic Outdoors. You also know that iHunter is one of our favorite tools that we have in our pack, in our pocket actually, every time we hit the field. And uh, not only is it in our pocket, but it's literally everywhere we go with us because it's on our phone. And if you don't know what iHunter is, head over to iHunter.com or download the app on your phone iHunter is Canada's all-in-one hunting app, providing you with high-quality satellite imagery on your phone, everywhere you go. Beyond that, they have instant messaging so you can message your buddies, current weather forecasts, waypointing, tracking, public land maps, landowner maps, and everything you need in a mapping device. Throw the old GPS in the bin, And uh, everything you need is literally on your phone with this app. If you're interested in getting some public land maps for a discount, head over to the website web.ihunterapp.com. Type in the promo code panoramic30 for 30% off your first public land purchase. Check them out now. You won't regret it.
1: And we're live, and today we're welcoming Jennings Hester from uh, Fishing the Good Fight to the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. Jennings, thanks for joining us today.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, and you're uh, you're joining to talk to us a little bit about Fishing the Good Fight. Um, I'm really excited to be talking about what that means uh, and men's mental health and why that all got started Um, But before we get into the nuts and bolts of the podcast, we we do this one little thing called five burning questions, and that's just to let our guests get a better sense of you. We'll uh, we'll fire off five questions. They can be uh, quicker. Maybe sometimes they've been longer responses they chase. Yeah. Um, And uh, they're kind of random, but uh, hopefully hopefully they won't be too hard. You ready? (laughs) Let's go. Okay. What's your favorite fly
3: rod? Favorite fly rod. Um, That's going to be, you know, I'm kind of cheap when it comes to rods. I'm more of a real, real guy. Um, But uh, so I typically use TFO fly rods, um, but it's going to be my seven weight axiom because if there's anything I can do, I'd like to be out there chucking streamers.
1: Awesome. (laughs) I think Chase rocks a TFO, eh?
0: Yeah. I got a, I got a TFO as well. A five, six weight. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Do you
1: have any books or movies on the go or TV shows that you're uh, really into at the moment?
3: Oh man, we're we're kind of watching a ton of stuff right now. Um, we're watching Succession. Oh yeah. Uh, we just finished Squid Games, which was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I not one I highly recommend, but uh, definitely entertaining. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. I watched that one too. It definitely, uh, that was my introduction to Korean television, I would say probably. Yeah. So
3: (laughs) not, not, didn't know what I was walking into there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Netflix. It got me. I did finish it though. I had to finish it. We did
3: too. Yeah.
1: Um, here, here's a more serious one, but, uh, what scares you either like rationally or maybe irrationally?
3: (laughs) Uh, spiders, spiders scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And uh you know we backpack a lot and you know my girlfriend thinks it's hilarious to you know get a spider and throw it at me or something cuz I'll scream like a little girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh so she takes advantage of that one then.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. <laughs> I see how it is around there. Um what's your proudest moment if you if you got one?
3: My proudest moment is Probably when I was offered a scholarship to play at the University of Alabama under Nick Saban um, in high school. That was, uh, I'd worked towards that since I was eight years old, and it was, you know, really my whole life. So um, that first scholarship in the SEC was probably my proudest moment.
1: That's cool. Um, When we were doing some background research, uh, we did, I clicked on your football profile there, and I, I was almost curious. I was like, "Do I have the right person?" But uh, you've got quite a wide uh, span of skills there to, to to use, so it's kind of uh, interesting to see. Um, and the last one's just one of our personal favorites, I think. But if you, it, we call it the last meal. But if you had a favorite meal,
3: what would it be, and what would you wash it down with? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I'm definitely a steak guy. Uh, New York strip uh, is my preferred cut, so. Probably do a strip, a loaded baked potato, and I mean loaded, man. You know, just like pound that sour cream, butter, cheese, um, and, and maybe some Southern style mac and cheese with it. Ooh. You know, if, if I could have my mom's uh, homemade baked mac and cheese, that would wrap it up and uh, probably finish that with uh, with a glass of bourbon.
1: Nice. <laughs> speaking of the right crowd there, Janice. You're speaking <laughs> the right crowd. Awesome, man. You uh You survived the... The five burning questions. Chase, I feel like we should get like shirts made or something for, for a guest who. who (laughs) To make make it through
0: in record time. (laughs) Yeah. I'd rock it. Yeah.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah. And so again, like we said, excited to be chatting, fishing the good fight and men's mental health and what fishing has to do with that really. But I'm also getting the sense here that this, this story of fishing the good fight is not divorced from your own story uh of fly fishing and your your own pursuit in life and uh so and you're based out of Colorado now is that accurate
3: yeah we're based out of denver
1: yeah but you weren't always in denver I, I saw you were you were in georgia initially um so what was your time like in georgia what kind of drew you to fly fishing that seems like an odd place to to pick up a fly rod but it, mm-hmm. i'm getting it's a key
3: part of the story here no definitely um yeah I grew up in Atlanta in um, you know, football is king down there, it's religion. Um, you know, that's that's what we do and everything else is kind of second. So I, I grew up like most guys spin fishing, you know, just at the lake with my granddad, um, you know, up, up in North Georgia. And uh, I really didn't get into fly fishing until I was, let's see, about 28 or so. Um, <clears throat> my, uh, my girlfriend's brother, uh, he guides all around the world saltwater um, and works at a fly shop in Atlanta. And, um, I started going hiking and backpacking a lot on the Appalachian trail up there. And he's like, Hey, take a fire rod, you know, I'll, I'll give you one. Let's just check it out. And so I'd go with my dog and we'd go backpack for a couple nights. And I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I would just, <laughs> I, I'd open my box and see 20 patterns and just say, Oh, try this one. You know, I'll try that one. And Every once in a while I'd catch a little fingerling and you know, I was I was hooked right away. But the first time I had that first take I was like, This is incredible, even though it was a you know, three inch little brown. But um I was immediately hooked.
0: Is there a lot of uh <clears throat> excuse me, is, is there a lot of uh other anglers ar- around that time pursuing uh or hitting the streams or the or the high country lakes back then? Not
3: n- not where I was. I mean, I was totally isolated, just just me and my dog not seeing a soul for days. But um you know, North Georgia and, and South and North Carolina actually have a decent, good good fly fishing scene. Um, it, especially the further North you go, you know, there's a lot of good tailwaters. Um, there's plenty of free stones um, that are very seasonal, but um, there's some pretty famous rivers in North Georgia, like the Swee River uh, it is a big one um, that guys guide on. And uh, like I said, when you get into North Carolina, there's some really good tailwaters. So there's, there's more fishing than people, fly fishing than people realize in that area.
1: I've got to explore this a little more because I chase correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like i and Jenny's I'm not sure how much you know about Manitoba, but it's a it's also a really odd spot to fly fish for a lot of reasons because the southern part of the province where most people live is some of the flattest land you'll ever encounter in your life, which hmm. means there's not a lot of like moving water or if it is moving it's normally like murky clay based water
3: um, like Texas for us, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but there, there's this really like uh, active and dedicated tight knit uh, fly fishing community here, and and Chase and I, I think just picked it up again, like the, similar to you, where we just picked up a rod and started chucking. Um, but it's it's been really interesting to to connect with folks around the province who are like fishing in this almost non conventional way. So one of the things that's really popular here is we we fly fish for chat or channel catfish, oh. and. Uh, well basically anything that comes out of that river but
0: yeah yeah kind of the the one of the main targets is like channel cat and freshwater drum so yeah it's uh it's a very murky um like tristan said kind of muddy water so it, it's not your you uh not necessarily the likely not going to win the magazine front cover of a uh, of fly fishing magazine oh. <laughs> photo <laughs> with you know either a, a high mountain stream with that nice crystal clear water or like a high mountain lake but it's uh, it's one of the the most productive um, fisheries, I, I gotta say, like in Manitoba for sure. And it's it's just very, very unique, very productive. It, it holds oh geez, very diverse.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be like twenty different species of fish or something like yeah. that.
3: That's that's cool. I mean, downtown Denver. Like when I don't have a lot of time, I'll just hop down to down, downtown Denver, and the Platte River runs through it, and it's some of the best carp fishing. There's nice. there's carp everywhere so you know it's yeah. pretty normal to see guys out there with an eight weight you know just having that thing bent to hell chasing <laughs> a carp you know 100 yards downstream through the city <laughs> that's wild.
1: did you notice any of that well i'll call it outlaw fly fishing did you notice any of that kind of
3: emerging in georgia as well or like was that i i really didn't i mean i i was in the city so kind of like you guys you know we didn't we don't have a lot of options you know unless you get up into the mountains but they're there is the Chattahoochee River, which is a um, its a very dirty, uh, nasty river, but um, similar to what you guys are talking about, I mean, guys will float it and they will chuck the ugliest streamers. You just trash, you know, and there's world record grounds in there. I mean, they're, they're hmm. massive. Wow. So we do get some of that in the Chattahoochee River down there. Cool.
1: And then for your yourself, you're kind of emerging uh, down that Appalachian Trail chucking bugs and uh really fell in love with it what was the next step for you because obviously it's taken you know on a a life of its own here but how did
3: that accelerate yeah i mean so you know to give you a little bit of background i I started dealing with pretty severe depression and anxiety in high school and um like most men i didn't know i had a mental illness i didn't know i had something that could be treated and i thought that you know the thoughts in my head and how i felt were just normal and and that i was just being soft you know and um so you know I played football got hurt and um once football was gone that crutch was gone you know it was how I deflected from everything I was feeling and um things got a lot worse so that's that's what led me to the outdoors and led me to backpacking and hiking and and fishing eventually but um once I once I really fell in love with it I just I knew I had to get west Uh, I didn't, I didn't know how, I I just knew that I wanted to get out to Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, um, Idaho, something, something along those lines where the access was a lot better and there were more opportunities. And, um, so a job arose and, um, it led me to manage the West half of the country, um, for sales and sports and it allowed me to move to Denver. So that was, that was that. And, um, from there I just went down to rabbit hole.
1: So is that what you've been doing since is a, like kind of a sales position, uh, and uh, who's that with and like, and how's that work for you?
3: Yeah. So I'm the U S sales director for a company called catapult sports. We are the largest sports technology company in the world. Uh, we're, uh, publicly traded in Australia. And so, um, I work with college football programs and I still work with my alma mater, which is pretty cool. Um, selling them their coaching video software that they use to prep for games and, um, and, and watch practice, and it's basically, you know, a, a CRM for a football coach. It's, it's what they live on. And then um, the other thing that I provide is our GPS devices that all the players wear. So um, this is not specific to football; it's across a lot of sports, but um, it tracks everything they do: their, their velocity, their distances, their accelerations, their impacts. Um, so these guys wear them during games, practice, workouts, um, and it allows coaches to. You know, make informed decisions on all right. We need to back this guy off today, or this guy needs a little bit more work, um, working on top velocity or accelerations or agility stuff. So it, it really drives how coaches you know structure their practices um, so that they're ready on game day.
1: That is some next level data analysis. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it's... that that much was going into to sport at this point. <laughs> oh <That's> yeah, wild.
3: <laughs> Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's thousands of <clears throat> metrics. You know and. Um, these guys all have sports scientists on staff and we provide sports science assistance. And, you know, it's, it's how they, they start every single meeting they have is looking at the data and saying, all right, who's at risk? Who needs more work? What do we need to adjust for practice today?
0: Yeah. I think, I think the, the biggest uh, disconnect for us up here is that we've never really experienced the uh, amount of like support and just, just how huge football is. In the states there, and especially down south, um, comparatively, I mean, we have hockey up here, but but uh, you know, it, it's it's I don't think we don't have the population size like you guys have down there to right. to really fill those arenas that mm-hmm. they that they do.
3: Yeah, I mean, we, like we're the we're the NHL wide provider, um, so all the NHL teams wear it and um, and use the video, and um, you know, for for hockey, for example, there's specific algorithms, so. You know, these guys have a completely different workload than what a football player looks like. It's so taxing on their groins and adductors from the bilateral movement, you know, in terms of how you skate. So there's specific hockey algorithms that talk them through really what their workload looks like for a hockey player versus what it looks like for a fo- football player or a baseball player.
1: Hmm, that's really interesting. Wow well i guess we're yeah we're honing in on the, the the physical side of the sport here but you you mentioned another side of sport when you were talking about your your alma mater there and that was kind of the the community side or the relational side of sport as well too and i know growing up to being heavily involved in a lot of sports teams myself that that was really something i valued and yet especially for men it seems that there's there's not a lot of avenues Outside of sport, uh, where we get to even express ourselves. When you think of the range of emotions that I can express on a court or a, a field, um, you, you don't get that same range all the time in, in other places. So it's, it's, I, when you say that you kind of lost that community, um, that, that rings true for me too.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, you see a, you see an inside linebacker crying after a championship loss. No one's going to say anything, right? But, if you see that same guy crying, <laughs> you know, on a boys' night out, you know, uh, it's a whole different scenario. So, you know, it's I think it's I think it's as hard um, on athletes, military, first responders as anyone once they're done, because those are some avenues where you truly do have that community still, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, there's just not a lot of avenues, you know, for adult middle-aged guys um in terms of community once once you're done with those things
1: Mm -hmm. and so can i ask you a little bit about your your journey personally there because i'm guessing there was a bit of a, a disconnect or something there was a kind of a moment where you had decided to pivot in your life and that a change needed to happen you were noticing some things what 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 did that look like what did that feel
3: like yeah, so like I said, you know, once football was over, I had a career-ending injury. Um, it, you know, it, my depression and anxiety just spiraled and just continued to get worse for the next oh seven, eight years. And um, you know, it eventually got so bad that I couldn't function. You know, at work, my uh, my my cognitive clarity was just gone. I, I just couldn't operate at the level that I needed to, and it was taking such a toll on my family and my friends and um, just the way I talked about myself, um, how negative I was um, to be around. And so, you know, finally, like most men, it, you know, it took 10 to 12 years for me to get help, but finally my dad uh, basically drugged me, you know, to see a doctor. And um, so I saw a psychologist, I saw a therapist. Um, I started doing a lot of, a lot of journaling, a lot of my own reading. Um, and, and just realizing, you know, that this one isn't weird or rare and two, there's tons of other guys dealing with the same thing. Millions of them, um, mostly undiagnosed was that alone was so empowering to, to know that, you know, I wasn't just a weirdo, you know, that this was normal and, and that this could be treated and that I could improve my quality of life and, uh, get back to a happy place, which, you know, it it took a lot of work. Um, you know, it took two therapy sessions a week. It took honing in on the right medication. It took all that journaling, all that reading, all those backpacking trips, all the fishing trips, you know, all of it's been a part of my recovery. And, you know, you just kind of come to the realization, you know, as someone that struggles with a mental illness, that it's never going away. Um, you can just get better at managing the symptoms and and recognizing the warning signs for when bad episodes are coming on. And you you just learn to better equip yourself to handle it. Mhm.
1: Yeah, so you're you're uh we up here we call that um we call that one recovery. So you're you're kind of at this stage now where you're able to to live a full meaningful life now and and give back in a multitude of ways and feel like there's you're connected
3: to purpose still. Yeah, it, exactly. And I mean that's why this organization was founded was you know, I really am just the kind of typical story of a guy struggling with a mental illness and um you know we we talk a lot that it doesn't you don't have to have a mental illness to work on your mental health right mm-hmm. like every, everybody should be working on their mental physical spiritual health like those are all things we want to strive for you know so we deal with everyone from the guy that's a banker that missed his sales quota and he's really suffering from anxiety you know just because he's worried about losing his job or a guy that just. Had a divorce or a combat vet that's struggling with PTSD. You know, we, we work with all sorts of men um, because there's so many of us out there that are having these challenges. And, you know, over 80% of suicides are men. And we make up less than 20% of people treated for a mental illness or substance abuse or a combination of both. So there's this massive disconnect between, you know, what I like to call a silent crisis. Um, of men's mental health. I mean, here in the U.S., every 20 minutes, a man takes his life and actually getting help, you know. And so there's a lot of things, you know, societally that need to change, um, but we're trying to be a, a part of that change.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't mean to paint a grim picture here, too, but if you, if you look at some of the coping mechanisms, too, that we've traditionally used as men, too, whether that's uh, alcohol use or whatever, um i think that just compounds kind of this the the i you called it the disconnect and i'll use your word it kind of compounds the disconnect here because uh in our, in our chats of those statistics there the 20% going uh only receiving treatment like it that means that 80% are not receiving the the help they deserve
3: if that makes sense correct yeah no, no. yeah you you hit the hammer on the head and you know when when you look and you study mental illness and, you know, between men and, and women, we're very different in how we handle it. Um, men act out, um, we, we behave, we, we have, we experience rage, we deal with substance abuse. Um, there's a reason that all the mass shootings you see are men, right, they're, they're not women. Um, I can't name one. Um, women talk about it, they're, their whole life, that's what they've been. Have to do is talk to their friends talk to their support group and then lack that support group and so we act out
0: i i got a quick little question here and and we're just kind of at the tip of the iceberg here where, where we're transitioning into talking about what you've built here but through your journey and transition and through you kind of um getting into uh helping people helping men in this what was uh what was the reaction like um from you know the general public, obviously you like people that you were reaching out to help um, must have been positive. but was did you ever have any negative uh, reactions from anyone when you when you started this up? Not really.
3: Um, you know, because it, it's pretty simple to, to explain why we're focusing on this, you know, and um, and it, once we explain the crisis, people, the light clicks, and people are like, okay, that makes sense. And you know, our, our mission is to improve all lives by serving men facing mental health challenges. And that's very intentional because, you know, better men make better communities. You know, there's no way around it. And if 80% of us are walking around thinking about suicide, struggling with substance abuse, constant negative self-talk, um, then that affects our partners, that affects our friends, that affects our coworkers. Um, it affects everyone. I think that we've we've had a tiny bit of pushback where people are like, Well, fishing's not just for men, and we're like, Yeah, no shit.
0: Like we we <laughs> yeah. know that. You know, <laughs> like
3: we're we're addressing an issue here. You know, there there are other groups that specifically work with women for for, you know, and and that's not what I'm equipped to do. So I can share my story, I can be vulnerable about my experiences, I can relate to a man about what he's going through, but I can't relate to a woman um on, you know to the same the same degree so there hasn't been been much negative feedback at all to be honest
1: what stands out for for me is just how intentional it is and what it's there to do is serve a need and like you said that that need helps the the whole community too right it helps us bring a fuller sense of self to the world and then obviously we can give back in in ways that are more
3: profound um yeah i mean one of my favorite things is when i get a letter from a wife right she's like she, her husband comes back from one of our events. She's like, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Like my, my husband's so excited to continue this work and continue to get better and be a better partner for me. Like that, that makes me as happy as anything, you know. And we get that all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I can't imagine how rewarding that would be. What's what's the the basic framework here for fishing a, the good fight? Like what? Like I think you a lot of listeners will be sold on fishing's good for your, your mental health, but like what, when you, when you sat down, well, maybe I should ask like, when did the light bulb hit and then how did that transition into something tangible?
3: Yeah. So I, um, you know, I went down the fly fishing rabbit hole and naturally I got into fly time as a result of that. And, um, I work from home. So, um, you know, in the afternoon, I like to go to a local brewery and I, I bring my fly tying stuff and I just tie some flies to be social and, you know, have some interaction with the community. And um, people started asking me if I sold my flies and it's like, no, um, but, you know, if you want something, I'll sure I'll tie them up. And um, so I was talking to one of my board members and we were like, let's do something with this. Like there's a demand. People are asking me for it. Uh, let's sell these and let's do something good. And we didn't really know what that was going to be yet. We, we knew we wanted to address, you know, the crisis of men's mental health in this country um, and worldwide, but um, we, we weren't sure. And so we started just making quarterly donations to organizations that we liked what they did. Maybe it was a affordable therapy group that had a scholarship fund or um, a group that runs targeted campaigns for men at risk, um, for suicide and depression, so we just started making donations here or there, and um, they started having big impacts, and we just, we started, we just hit this trajectory where we just started exploding, and, you know, we went from those donations to bring our programming in-house, and, you know, our goal has always been to raise awareness um, around it, because so many men don't know, like me, that they have something that can be treated, um, but, you know, awareness is great and all, but without resources, it means nothing. So, you know, we wanted to raise awareness, provide resources, um, and provide a community, you know, of supportive men that, um, that they could fish with and talk to when they're, when they're struggling. And so we brought all our programming in house and we started retreats, uh, last year, uh, that are weekends. And, uh, we bring a licensed clinician. Um, there's eight guys, there's eight volunteers, there's a, clinician, um, a couple of facilitators. We go to private property. Um, we spend two nights out there and they go through three group sessions together, three fly fishing instructional sessions. Because um, we wanted the the reason for fly fishing is, is twofold. One is it's an easy icebreaker. Uh, it's something guys are comfortable talking about. And the second is, is it's an extremely healthy therapeutic outlet. So, you know, you're present, you're mindful, you're in nature, um, you're disconnected from everyday stressors that we all deal with so that's why we utilize fly fishing but um yeah so we wanted to provide that community we want to provide resources we want to subsidize uh mental health services for men who can't afford it um and and so those are the things we do
1: that that sounds um really simple but also i can see really innovative also as well like the uh when you explain it after the fact, I'm sure everyone is just kind of like oh that's that's that really makes sense and that's that's a great idea. but uh, I, I judging by the amount of other organizations doing this work or how groundbreaking it seemed for the outdoor community, I get the sense that it's been kind of a, a leader in a lot
3: of ways yeah, we're we're proud of it. I mean it's we've created a niche, and you know we hope that other companies follow in our footsteps we, at the end of the day, we want as many different opportunities for men as there can be. Um, you know, we have a collective here in Colorado of about eight different groups, and we all have the same goal. It's just different avenues for guys. So, you know, our model is fly fishing therapy community that leads towards mental well being. But you can insert any healthy outlet for fly fishing, right? Our model can apply for mountain biking, hiking, climbing, uh, art, whatever, you know, whatever it is for you. It's a healthy outlet um, because, as we mentioned earlier, so many men act out in a very detrimental way um, mm-hmm. to, to their health. Um, and so if we can introduce them to a healthy outlet that, uh, that also provides them with a new community of supportive men and introduce them to therapy, whether that's you know formal professional help, whether that's journaling, whether that's just being more comfortable engaging with friends, then we're being a catalyst for change you know and we're we're making an impact and a change in these guys daily lives
0: mm-hmm. i really like the 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 fact that like fly fishing is the is part of the whole uh your triangle there too and and i mean we've we've been fly fishing for quite a while and we, we always relate to um just being outdoors is good for your mental health um but i i really didn't put a good or get a good grasp on how good fly fishing actually is, because until this past year, when I actually spent more time doing it on like a, a weekly basis, kind of thing, and uh, like from my sessions down on the river, you know, and and I, I I put a lot of thought into like how come I felt so good coming off the river all the time, as long as I wasn't in the rocks every second cast. <laughs> yeah,
1: Jennings, I curse a lot when I fly fish. Am I am I doing it wrong? <laughs>
3: But, <laughs> I think we've all been there. I think <laughs> you need to come on a retreat, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: but uh, but I mean, just the the rhythmic motion, and uh, for me, it, it, it's I'm still at a place where I still have to pay attention a lot to, to where my cast is going, how it's going, and and uh, how things are rolling out. And uh, it's really it, it takes your whole attention, so it becomes almost like like a like a meditation practice yeah, in my mind, and you, and you come out of there feeling fairly refreshed.
3: Exactly. I mean, you know, I tell people if you're not completely present fly fishing, you ain't catching fish. Like, there's there's no way. There's just so many variables, right? And you never stop learning in this. Um, the other the other part of it is it's a it provides a huge sense of accomplishment for men, and that's something that lacks for a lot of guys in their life outside of work. You know, maybe I hit my sales quota, but when else do I feel great? You know, when else do I feel like I really I really accomplish something? You know, and when you tie your own fly and you do your research on the river and you know, you pay attention to the bugs on the water and you get the right flies on and you get them at the right depth and you get a perfect drift and you see that fish and you land them. It's a massive sense of accomplishment. It's a hard thing to do. And you know, it's just something that lacks for a lot of men.
1: I think when you look at us, how we're wired biologically, um, as you have identified, we're not so great at sitting down in the circle and and chatting perhaps but what we are really good at is tasks and I, th- I think that's you know one of the great benefits of uh, fly fishing or any outdoor activity is that it it gives us a task to do and often it can be in a, in a team and how much better is is that when you can do
3: a task with you know another guy um, no, nothing better than when your buddy's standing up on a boulder and he's like he's right there five feet further you know and, and you tag team a fish that you spotted I mean it's you know sight fishing like that it's hunting right like yeah. it's not just throwing a lure and, and hoping a bass eats it like you yeah. are stalking a fish you know you, you found him you're trying not to spook him your buddy's sighting for you there's nothing more rewarding
1: i probably would have snagged in the willows but i appreciate the support so <laughs> <laughs> um the uh, like in just thinking about the fishing too uh it, it like it it probably brings us back to even more primal kind of senses too where we're, we're harvesting our own food too so we're getting that connection to like nature like you said and, and our our food as well so i, I feel like that's going to be a really empowering experience for a lot of people
3: too uh, yeah I, there's nothing better than backpacking to a high alpine lake and bringing tortillas and saying i'm going to catch the catch a fish or i got nothing to eat <laughs> you know but it's it's primal it really is because those those instincts you know it, it lets them release
2: hey everyone i'm going to talk about dry shod waterproof footwear it's a rubber boots that we've been wearing all year when we're fishing hunting doing whatever we love to do outside They got a wide range of uh, rubber boots that you can get men's, women's, kids, and even industrial safety. So, for all you workers out there that are on the pipeline or linemen or whatever you do outside, even farmers, you can get one of the best rubber boots that's the most wearable rubber boot on the market. That's dry shod. So, go to dryshodcanada.ca and check out what they have. They got everything from summer and then winter boots, all like rated to like minus 60. And they got free shipping in Canada, so you can't go wrong. So, go to dryshodcanada.ca
1: and so looking at the nuts and bolts of uh of the retreats here you got you got community built in is that is that kind of after the fact or are you building community at the retreat what's happening here with community
3: yeah so absolutely building community at the retreat because these guys are all going through group sessions together they're all learning to fish together um and you know, we, all the volunteers have radios and there's nothing more fun than, you know, we've got a first timer and all of a sudden,
1: Matt caught a fucking fish. Let's go. You know, you hear
3: the whole river erupt, you know, with 18 guys just cheering this guy on. You know, that just landed his first fish on the fly. Um, but then after the fact, um, you know, we have our, our member groups where the guys can coordinate and, hey, I'm going to this place this weekend. Anybody want to come? Um, and then we run fly tying nights every other week. Um, And we teach guys a pattern and bring all the materials and uh, walk them through everything. And then um, we've got our men's groups. And so we've got our next one launching in January where um, they're a weekly men's group that alternates between uh, group sessions with a clinician. And then the next session will be a fly fishing session. So we bring in the top minds in fly fishing um, to go over different, different, uh, different topics. So like Pat Dorsey, comes and does tailwater tactics. Charlie Craven comes and teaches a fly. Um, Landon Meyer comes and he teaches sight fishing. So, you know, we we truly, all, in everything we do, we integrate fly fishing and mental health together. And so we're we're building more and more opportunities for these guys to continue to connect throughout the year. And it's so, there's nothing better than when I get in that group chat and I see 10 guys that have connected and they all went fishing for a day, you know, down in South Colorado. like it just brings chills you know like these guys didn't know each other you know they were total strangers before this weekend and now they're best fishing bites
0: that has to be helping leaps and bounds especially with uh somebody going through some mental health struggles knowing that they they went to something they they found somebody that is kind of interested in the same thing that they're doing and but still going through some struggles and now after the fact after the therapy after it all you're not just going home to yourself and you know stuck with your own thoughts and thinking about how how can i make this better and and then you go out for beers with your buddies or whatever and you can't really still weird to talk about it but now you're in this group that you're comfortable with and you you gotta they gotta be rolling after that man that's gotta be awesome
3: it's it's not taboo anymore you know at that point they're comfortable talking with other guys about it you know and um, and that's what's so so empowering i mean it, one, our first retreat we had one of our guys um one of our participants come and you know he noticed that another one of the guys didn't seem to be doing that great and he called him and you know he called him out on it and you know tried to figure out how he can help and before the retreat that would never would have crossed his mind, you know to to make that call and you know most guys don't make that call or most guys don't answer it if there is one um so we it just once they go through this together that that taboo is is gone and and they're comfortable talking about it and they're comfortable talking about it with others outside of the group Mm -hmm. because they they realize that there's really nothing to be ashamed of anymore once they once they see that all these other guys have the same struggles as them um you know it just opens them up
1: yeah, even my, I. I work in the mental health field, and even even myself thinking about accessing, we'll say, personal mental health services after a workday. Um, you know, I I might not make time for that. But if you told me that you know Jennings Hester was going to be down at uh, my local watering hole trying to fly, and maybe I go catch a beer with him and shoot the shit, um, you could probably bet that I would be there.
3: Right. Right, and we. You know, we, we started all of our weekends and really all of our all of our events where you know when you tell them the guys when you ask somebody how it is you don't let them say fine uh if you're if you ask your buddy how he's doing and he says he's doing fine you ask him why he's fine mm-hmm. you know why why aren't you great why aren't you worse like what what's fine mean um because it's so natural for us to deflect that stuff and and just not be open about it and so we have something we we really drill home. And guys is you know you've got to be your brother's keeper like this this is not going to change unless a group of strong men make that happen and they start pressing and having those hard conversations and making those calls when they're concerned about it buddy it's it's up to us to change to change this crisis
1: mm. yeah it's interesting when we when i think back to my my sports career too and and who the real leaders were on teams um Sometimes it wasn't the best player. It was the guy who was able to pick his buddy up when he wasn't playing so well, or uh, you know, knew the right thing to say in the timeout to get the the guys fired up again. Um, You know that that to me, as I as I age, I'm realizing was the real leadership in the equation here. And that's you you look you look you say the you know strong men kind of scenario, and like I think that's where the strength's coming from in in a lot of ways is having that that emotional strength. to help those around you 100
3: i mean i don't i don't think i know one guy that doesn't know some a man that's taken his life you know it's it's just it's so common and so much of it can be prevented and a lot of it is as simple as actually having a conversation with someone you're worried about
1: um i i also like i'm excited i'm re- i'm just thrilled about the the retreat concept here because honestly it's been something we've been tooling around with too but uh it seems like it's almost like deer camp on steroids for us because in the sense (laughs) like uh, when we go up to camp you mentioned some of the things we're disconnected we it's just kind of you and the guys around the fire and i mean we solve the world's problems like sometimes nothing gets solved but just to be clear like nothing actually gets solved half the time but man do do i ever get to put the guard down like uh like no other place in the world when i'm You know out at camp and i think that's just one of the reasons i cherish it so much um being close to nature but also like just relaxation to the the 10th degree and that camaraderie that so it's you probably have like a just a great base to start with and then you're taking this really intentional uh therapeutic lens to to take it up to the next level almost
3: yeah yeah that's That's exactly right i mean who doesn't like going on a weekend fishing trip with their buddy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and then you get to meet seven new friends and you get to put in this work together and you know that you're all there for the same reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all there to put in that work and you're all there to improve your fly fishing, improve your mental health, meet new friends. You're all there for the same reason. So it, it is, I mean, it's just, they're, they're incredible, incredibly powerful weekends.
0: Yeah, that, and that kind of brings me back to thinking about like just if you were to take this on yourself and, and if if we're using hunting as an example right now, which which I want to do, um, you know, I, I do a lot of bow hunting around home here and it's great. I love getting out and doing bow hunting around home, but there's always the stresses of home still calling at the end of the hunt, at the end of the day, before you go out, you know, you get you get a nice little window to get out and, and I I'd certainly try my best every time I go out to to soak that all in but there is no real like people talk about the getaway there is no like stress reliever to really um open you up like Tristan said as knowing that you're going to camp for a few days and you're committed to being there you don't have the stresses at home kind of clawing you back and uh yeah you can just really open up and commit to whatever it is you're there to do
3: yeah no i i think i completely relate with you i mean i go on day trips all the time like we have we're we're lucky and we have the south Platte river less than an hour from my doorstep which is some of the best fly fishing in the world but you know there's nothing worse than hiking five miles into one of those canyons coming out at four o'clock getting back on the road and then i've got 800 emails you know yeah (laughs) and and 20 missed calls and, and everything else like it's not a true escape but these these weekends are a true escape. You get to just let everything go, and you know that you're there from Friday through Sunday afternoon, and um, and and you're going to be present. And there's not really there's no self service, so there's not really an option for distractions.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool, I love it. Um, Jennings looking more towards kind of like the the intentional side of the the retreats and and the the business or the the nonprofit in and of itself. How how important do you think it is that your story is in the mix here that you, you bring that that lens to this this work. do you think that's that means something to the guys accessing your service
3: it it does. I mean i I start every weekend and every every event sharing my story just to put myself out there and be vulnerable and let you know let people put their guard down and you know I, it's it, there's something about a you know six three two hundred and fifty pounds inside linebacker you know, sharing this story and, and how much I've struggled that resonates with guys, right? Like, it's just, oh, there's this guy that we thought was living this perfect life, you know, that's that's a star at Alabama that's, you know, doing whatever kid wants to do that's inside is a complete mess. And, you know, so when guys realize that someone that looks like they're having a great life and, and everything's going really well are really just absolutely, you know, completely torn apart inside that, that resonates, um, you know, because a, a lot of the times it is the guy that seems like he has a perfect life. You know, it is the guy that has the nicest car and and, dry, and has a huge house and this perfect family. Like a lot of times that's the guy that's, that's struggling, you know, and they don't want to show it. But, you know, once they realize that that person is having the same struggles they are. It makes you feel more comfortable to, to put in the work and you know, and, and not be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you've also got a few, few other aspects here that are outlined that are that seem very important as well. Um, one is the access to professional help. So clearly you've you've done a lot of work around building just a really strong community and, you know, sense of support there. But the the professional help also seems like it's a a key ingredient if people
3: need that, that as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish every guy in the world was in therapy. Um, You know, I tell guys all the time, you don't have to be doing that to be going to therapy. It's, it's an extremely helpful tool no matter where you are in your current mental health state um you know therapy forces you just like journaling does it forces you to put your emotions into words you know to verbalize what you're feeling and and that's a really empowering thing to do you know to force yourself to do that and um it's just it's so beneficial because you know there's so few guys out there that we're obviously trying to change that are willing to have those conversations with each other so you know if you're not getting help in some sort of way even if you're doing great you know all this stuff is just brewing it's just it's just building and building and building you know and for a lot of guys on our retreats that have never experienced therapy before you know in five minutes they're completely breaking down because it's 30 years of stuff that's built up you know it was uh, a girl that cheated on him at one point then it was a lost job then it was this or that, you know, and all this stuff, all these, all this quote unquote trauma has just built up over these years that they've never, they've never forced themselves to try to understand what they're feeling around it. You know, let's just brush it off and try to ignore like it didn't happen, but that's not how things work. And so, you know, that's why therapy is, is a huge part of our model is because it forces men to do that work and it forces them to put their feelings in the words and understand what they're feeling.
1: It's almost like going to the gym and expecting knowing that it should be good for your physical health, but expecting yourself to, how to to know how to do all the lifts without any training right. yeah you you need right. to you need to get a little bit of coaching once in a while or a little you need to do a little bit of uh tuning just uh to, to get things dialed in otherwise you bad stuff can happen right correct um do you distinguish between mental health and mental illness
3: uh, I do. Yeah. Um, you know, mental health, um, I, I think naturally a lot of people go to the negative connotations when they hear that word, they think about depression and suicide or, um, and putting harm on yourself, you know, when in fact, mental health's a really positive term. You just like physical health is, you know, we think about physical health, it's, Oh, popping abs, you know, a great physique, like that's where we naturally go. But, um, You know, mental health is, uh, you know, the World Health Organization defines it as, you know, the ability to cope with the normal stresses of life and provide a positive impact to the community, you know, and that's, that's an extremely positive phrase, you know, when you break it down, it's not mental illness. Um, They're, they're very different things and, you know, my mental illness made my, you know, path towards better mental health, more challenging, you know, and some people don't have to deal with that and their path towards achieving mental well-being and mental health is going to be easier. Um, but there's definitely a difference in mental health and mental illness.
1: And I'm curious too, I've heard some other folks that I've chatted with share this, this kind of reflection, but, um, you know, obviously people with mental illness struggle with very real consequences, but, um, where you're sitting in kind of your road now, do you, do you feel like you're you've kind of built some strength out of getting through those consequences
3: and, and, um, you know, moving on with the life? hundred percent. Um, I mean, that was a huge accomplishment. You know, when I, when I started putting in that work, when I was at my lowest, you know, I remember my therapist just telling me, you know, like Jennings, you're doing incredible work. Like you need to sit back and recognize that. Like, You're taking the time to read these things. You're taking the time to do the things that I'm telling you to do. You're taking the time to journal, and um, you know, and you need to be really proud of that. And you know, I'm extremely proud of my mental health journey, and you know, where I've come, where I've been, where I was, where I am now, where I'm going, and I'm I'm really grateful for it because it was it was awful. It was extremely challenging. Uh, It took a lot of work. But now it's given me the ability to talk to so many men and relate to them. You know, I've been there. I've been through all of it, you know, and like I said earlier, my mental illness is never going away. It's always going to be here. But at this point, I have the tools to recognize warning signs of when it's coming on. You know, I'm better at coping with it. Um, I know what work I need to do to get through it. And, you know, being able to share that with other guys is, I would never take that away from my life experience.
1: You were double hauling and you didn't even realize it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and then the, the last kind of pillar I wanted to touch on too, is that the financial support, obviously that's very important from your organization. That's, it sounds like that's how it started. You were tying flies for guys in some ways. Um, but like how important I well I work in the field I know how important it is but I want you to tell everyone else how important the the financial side and the resource side is to just uh men accessing those services or anyone accessing those services really.
3: Yeah, I mean there's a there's a lot of healthcare providers that don't provide much financial assistance when it comes to mental health services. Um we're starting to see that change thankfully. Um actually California made it a law this year which is a huge step forward. Um but um so we provide financial assistance Well, there's a, we have a two scholarship um, funds. So we have one that's for subsidizing mental health services. So guys apply for that, share their financial, um, you know, their disposable income, kind of their story, why why this makes sense. And we subsidize eight-week block a therapy to get them on the right path. Um, the reason for that is because when I was going through this, I had to choose between seeing my therapist paying for my medication or declining on my credit card payments, you know, and I don't want any guy to be in that situation. And thankfully I made the right one and I eventually paid that, paid my, you know, know, my credit off. But, uh, a lot of guys aren't ever able to pay it off. And you want to talk about a stressful situation that leads towards negative mental health, that kind of financial stress is, is absolutely unbearable. Um, the other side of scholarships that we do is for our retreats. So, same thing. Um, guys apply. They say what they could pay. Um, you know, what portion of our retreats they could pay for themselves, and then our donors, you know, pay for the rest. And um, you know, our entire organization is dependent on donations. And you know, and we couldn't reach the amount of men that we do and expand the way that we want to. And you know, our our vision is that every man knows this is a resource. Every single guy you know, knows this is a resource and that fly fishing is a healthy outlet and that um, our organization is a place they can go to seek help. And we can't do that without significant donors. And so it's, it's a huge part, you know, of of what we do. And um, thankfully the growth has been incredible and we've got some great donors behind us, but, you know, we, we want, our goal in 2023 is to be in five more states and have chapters, um, all all across the country, and we can't do that without without donations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting, even in Canada here, we have our kind of our national healthcare system, but the the unfortunately the mind isn't always considered under that umbrella, and it means that access to mental health services, for example, the the wait lists are often long, which means folks aren't getting access to them when they need them, and the pharmaceuticals aren't always covered either. And like, um, I mean, I know folks have varying opinions on meds and I'm not here to tell you what meds anyone needs to take. But for those that want them, I think they should have access to them um, as soon as they need them kind of scenario. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see that even, you know, in in a different context, that the way we view mental health is still kind of detrimental sometimes to to, to how people... Access those services or what supports yeah. we
3: actually provide It's just light years behind physical health, mm-hmm. you know, and we're starting to see that gap Shrink a little bit, but we have got a long ways to go
0: It's funny because when you when you look at the relationship between like physical health as well And just like how well a community can be can be optimized I guess you can say if you know everyone had great access to mental health um, help and and, and uh, resources you know, it would be so much more proficient and and just people would be happier and it would be, you know, the preventative side.
3: Yeah. Completely. I mean, companies, companies, for example, are starting to realize just how much, you know, mental illness is impacting their, their bottom line. You know, you've got people that are depressed or, you know, are dealing with severe anxiety or, or whatever it may be. And, you know, they're, missing work days, they're not getting a lot done when they're at work, um, you know, they have not helpful at all with their coworkers. And, you know, company, as soon as companies really start to grasp that, I think that's when we're gonna see it change, is mm-hmm. that, you know, if, if they improve their employees' mental health, um, they're gonna improve their bottom line, you know, and I, unfortunately, I think that's what it'll take probably to, to really close that gap.
0: Yeah.
1: Are you working on the biometric tracking for our brains, there, Jennings? Or are you?
3: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not that smart. I'm just a sales guy. Oh, I just okay. sell it. I don't. I don't know how to design it.
1: All right, <laughs> that's fair. Um, I'm wondering, like you, you've mentioned expansion here, and it seems like there's a great model and framework to to what fishing the good fight has to offer to our world. Uh, it is that what's on the horizon here is just making that model more widely available is that is that next steps
3: yeah it is we um it's really cool we were selected by deloitte um for what's called their step up program so they dedicate a team of consultants for us for a 10-week period uh so they're starting with us in the new year and they're going to be building out our franchising model um all of our policies procedures all that fun stuff so you know there's a chance we could have our first chapter in 22 but um we're, we're really pushing to have a lot of chapters starting in 23
1: amazing that's great news and it, it's uh i hopefully it speaks to kind of the foundation you've laid here and how effective you've been in connecting how many people have come through fishing the good fight would you say
3: oh man that's a hard question um i mean between our retreats tying nights men's groups um our resources online like our head inspection test and our in our man therapy finder at I mean, thousands and thousands um it's it's a big number wow
1: that's that's impressive and i i i want to thank you for the work you're doing because i i'm sure it's not gone on notice but i'm i don't think folks working on this side could be thanked enough um, no, i really appreciate it yeah and i'm wondering is is do you have any kind of like um i'm i think we're both kind of ending our our thoughts here but uh do you have any kind of final words to guys or men out there who are maybe kind of curious around their mental health or maybe facing some challenges?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I think one is what we talked about earlier is, you know, if you are kind of curious and you're struggling a little bit, go find some resources, go to our website. Um, you know, we have tons of resources on how to talk to someone you're worried about, um, taking our head inspection tests, which is 20 questions, just kind of analyzing your day to day and, you know, showing you what you may be at risk for, whether that's, you know, your high level depression, your low level risk of substance abuse, and then directs them to um, uh, thousands of therapists and that they can filter by whatever they'd like to. And, you know, if cost is an issue, apply to one of our scholarships and, you know, tell us, tell us your story and, you know, we'll do everything we can. But um, yeah, if, if they're curious about it, do do some research and do it. You know, just don't just keep thinking about it. Um and if there's somebody that you notice a buddy's socially withdrawing or he's starting to drink more than he was or something just out of the ordinary, have that conversation. I mean, that's that's where it starts, you know. And it's once once a guy's aware that he's struggling with something, you, you can't do anything until you're aware. So, um, you know, do that work.
1: And I, I don't wanna turn you into a mascot by any means, Jennings, but uh is it fair to say that you're kind of a walking example of how things can turn
3: around? Yeah. I, I mean, I think so. I, I literally did a 180 in my life, right? I mean, I, I lost a job. I was under, you know, financial stress. My family, friends couldn't be around me. Um, you know, suicide ideation, um, just complete lack of self-work, um, you know, a terrible quality of life. And, you know, after putting in that work, and moving across the country and, you know, doing what I wanted to do and taking action on it, I couldn't be happier with where I am. And, you know, that's, I think it's important for guys to know that if things are bad, it can change, you know, and, and there's tons of resources out there and it doesn't have to stay that way.
0: That's amazing. Jennings. Um, you know, I, th- I think people that, that are going to listen to this podcast, people that are going to connect with it are all going to know somebody, whether it's maybe themselves or somebody they know, that could find some value in your resources. I'm certainly gonna take another cruise through all your media stuff. Why don't you let everybody know where where they can access all this stuff and where they can find you?
3: Yeah, so our website's really simple. It's just fishingthegoodfight.org. We're on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, So you can find us any of those ways. But um, like I said, our website's a great resource. There's tons of tools. Um, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter and get updates on upcoming events. Um, you know, we have people fly in from all over for these things. So um, I'd encourage people to sign up for our newsletter and stay up to speed on what's going on. And, you know, if they're worried about somebody or they're worried about themselves, dive into our resources and let us know if there's anything else we can do to help.
1: Well, Jennings, I want to take time to, to thank you for connecting with us today. I, I'm feeling energized and recharged. and. Uh, more connected to purpose so that's super exciting i want to wish you good luck in the fight because you are fighting a good one and uh hopefully we'll see it down the stream
3: sometime you yeah. know well, you guys should come out sometime they're, they're fun weekends and um they're for everybody so it'd be a blast to have you guys and, um thanks for having me and letting me talk about what we do and you know share our mission awesome
2: thanks man hey everyone more exciting news coming out of Love. They've got a new sister company called North Wool Apparel. North Wool builds on the advantages of, of the 100% merino wool base layers from WoolUp, and it adds in the flexibility and durability of spandex to create a premium mid layer that will keep you warm, comfortable, and odorless so you can squeeze out those extra that extra time out in the ice, winter camping, hiking, doing whatever you love to do in the wintertime. All of us at Panoramic have been wearing this stuff for over a year now and we love it. So they got two cool new garments in with the North wool sister company. They got a men's quarter zip up hoodie and they also got some women's leggings. So if you're looking for something to, uh, you know, maybe that mid layer garment you should check out wool love. That's wool.love. Check out Northwall. And right now you can use panoramic 10 for $10 off your first purchase. It's available on Amazon and through the website. Like I said, www.wool.love and just look for the North wall project. The promo code is only valid with the Wool Love site. So please check them out. That's wool.love or check out their Instagram.
1: And that's 105. And again, huge thank you to Jennings for coming on. Thanks for sharing. Also, thanks for doing the work you're doing because that's inspiring. Let's be honest. like A lot of us have good ideas around the table and let's say around the campfire and might tilt a few back and and talk a big talk. But Jennings, while tilting a few back, Managed to create an entire company out of it or kind of entire nonprofit that does some make some change in the world, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's inspiring, yeah, as a fact that like we should have more resources like this available to uh, to everybody, whether you're in the outdoors world or whatever world, whatever, whatever you're into, you know what, you know what I mean? Sheldon, why don't you give us a little store update, buddy?
2: Sure, yeah, everything's uh up and running in the store, we're running running out of some things because of christmas time but should be fully stocked in the new year and uh thanks to everyone that's been purchasing um products from us like sweaters and hats we also got some new toques in so we we actually refreshed our stock on the, the kind of like the signature style toques and then we also got some beanies in as well and not only that we got all our decals in so if you do order something we're probably gonna throw in a few decals. so get ordering some stuff and all we'll, you can put some stickers on your ice shack
1: Sheldon, I'm actually surprised that you have some gear available. I thought Chase was just kind of holding on to all of it.
2: Well, apparently he gave like half of our gear away at our Christmas party. Give <laughs> that guy a few whiskeys and he just goes bananas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and the, the new beanies look fresh. So good job on those,
2: buddy. Yeah, I like them. They're, um, but for, they're a little small for my buffalo head, but they, yeah, they seem to work. And as always, check us out on the
1: the social platforms and rate us on the podcast. As Sheldon always says, that goes the longest way in helping us out and making sure that we can continue our fight here and uh, promoting the message of conservation and getting outdoors. So help us out there if you can and without further ado we'll hopefully see you further down the line on the ice and uh, a reminder to keep that leatherman sharp those lines tight and what's the last one there fellas keep the gas fresh keep the gas fresh yeah keep the gas in your jerry cans don't bust it all over number six